Does Iowa have a missing person problem? And then we take a swim in the ocean at night, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day. I really am having a great day because it is 79 degrees today. I'm recording this with my window shut in the middle of the day because it's 79 degrees. Actually, a bit of a spoiler, I'm recording this episode on Thursday of the week. I'm recording this episode on the 2nd of August. So, if it is swelteringly hot on Monday the 6th when this episode is released, and the world is on fire, and meteorites are raining down from the sky, let me know that on Thursday the 2nd, Jason Carpenter was comfortable. I normally don't pre-record episodes. I'm pre-recording episodes now because I'm going to be going on vacation soon, and I won't have... A lot of time to be recording this stuff, so I wanted to get some extra episodes out. So I'm hoping to only have maybe a week where I have no episodes. I'm bringing my recording gear with me, and I have some stuff in, in plan for that. But mostly, it's just going to be me hanging out. I only get one vacation a year, so I like to you know just kind of relax. I love doing this show, but it you know it takes probably about an hour or two from start to finish from like recording it. The research is what takes the most part, but, you know, I can do that on the toilet. You know, the last episode on Friday, I talked about finding recipes online and how I would love to make Chipotle burritos. And then I kind of just went off on this huge rant about Chipotle in general, how much I love them. Chipotle, eat fresh. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about in that recipe thing, recipe, I actually had to edit it out for time, but the recipe I've always been looking for the recipe that's been driving me nuts is the best hamburger that I've ever, not not ever had, but the one of the, my favorite hamburgers is the AMPM gas station hamburger. And it, it's basically the same type of hamburger meat they used to serve in school cafeterias. It's like 30% meat and 70% oatmeal, and it has a lot of filling in it. But it just has this really unique texture and this really unique taste. My friend Lana thinks that I'm a super taster because I'm super picky with what I eat. And I always felt like I had bland taste buds. And she said, no, I think you might be the opposite. I think you might have such incredibly sensitive taste buds, and that's why you like to eat bland food. As I love those AMPM hamburgers. Chipotle's not bland at all. Chipotle is in several locations around... <laughs> I, Chipotle does not sponsor this show, but Chipotle isn't bland. But anyways, I like those AMPM hamburgers. I've looked all over, like, if I could buy them in bulk. I'll buy boxes of cheap hamburger meat, like 20, 30 patties... And I'm always like, oh, man, I hope these are the one. I hope these are going to taste like those AMP burgers, and they never do. I, I, they have to manufacture them somewhere. But if not, I want to find a recipe that if I could take some hamburger meat and throw some oatmeal in there and make those hamburgers, that's all I would eat. And it would be perfect for keto. Oh, wait, no, it wouldn't because oatmeal has a bunch of carbs in it. Damn it. Well, uh, an another dream crushed. That sucks, dude. Maybe it's not oatmeal. Maybe it's some other sort of filling in there. Maybe it's like pig pig legs or something. I don't know. Let's get started with the episode. The big news last week, and the story that people were requesting, uh, Veronica was literally pulling on my shirt. Okay, not literally pulling on my shirt, but she was like, you have to do a story about the people missing in Iowa. You have to cover the people missing in Iowa. And I'm like, back up, girl. Get your own podcast. But she was right. I did need to cover that story. Because it was a current news story, and it's just super bizarre. 
The reason why I didn't cover it last week was because we were doing the sex conspiracy week. And I didn't, I thought that was just a little tacky and gross. Because the sad thing is, is I think a lot of these people are ending up in the sex trade. Or being raped or whatever. And I didn't want to tell a story that I felt like that was an integral part of. And then go, and then on lighter side, let's talk about bug chasing. Like, I didn't want to combine those elements. So it's a new week, and we're going to go ahead and start talking about the missing people in Iowa. Now, I've had to do a lot of research on this, and I've had to do a lot of math. So I'm going to spare you a lot of my math details, because the math is important to the story. So if you're not familiar with it, what happened was last month, in the month of July, a young woman went missing. A young 20-year-old woman was out jogging, and she went missing. Her name was Molly Tibbetts. And people were like, oh no, this young, attractive white woman went missing, which tends to happen. It gets nationwide exposure. And then when people in Iowa kind of started looking at the numbers, because everyone's trying to figure out this mystery, they discovered that in the past 10 days, 48 people have gone missing in the state of Iowa, almost all of them under the age of 18. So that started a panic in Iowa. And that spread across the rest of the nation where, like, how could 48 people go missing in Iowa in 10 days? That's amazing. And when I first heard that, I was like, that is amazing. Now, I've heard theories that it's reptilians gathering food. I've actually heard theories that it's the Japanese alien hybrids because apparently Japanese are like half alien, according to some people. The Japanese alien hybrids are declaring war on the United States. I've heard Pizzagate which is the Democratic-controlled cannibal child pedophilia ring. I've heard all of those. I've heard, you know, just basic stuff like serial killers, saint worshippers, and all of that. Now, I don't think it was reptilians, obviously. I think that, you know, one or two may have been this, or one or two may have been that, and so on and so forth. But the main thing to look at was, are they correct? Is did 48 people really go missing last 10 days? And according to all of the reports, that is that is true. The second question we have to answer, the second question we have to look at is, is this abnormal? Now, when, when generally people, when we think of places we don't live, we break them down to the most base, basic stereotype. So when I think of New York, I think of a bunch of like surly Italians and like Irish people, the dead rabbits, walking around billy clubs and beating people up. When I think of Russia, I think of it being really cold and people dancing. When I think of Iowa, I think of cornfields as far as the eye can see. I have a friend out there, actually. Hey, Carrie. Cornfields as far as the eye can see. And, like, little towns dotting here and there. Carrie actually used to work at a movie theater in town. The movie theater, I should say. They only had one screen, which was super bizarre to me. But very low population. So, is 48 people missing within 10 days an abnormality? abnormality for Iowa. And sadly, it's not. There's two sides of the story, so that's not the end of the story. But when we look at Iowa, they have a population of 3 million people. So that's not a lot for a, such a big state, but that's also not a very small state. So when we look at Iowa, they had, in 2017, they had 4,300, roughly 4,300 juveniles reported missing in 2017. They have a population of 3 million, and that averaged out to about 12 a day. So if 48 people went missing over the course of 10 days, technically that's a little bit 
a below average if normally it's 12 a day. Now we have to compare it against something. I went to um, USA Today talked about South Dakota having an issue. Their missing people lists a 1,400 missing children in the year 2015. So that's the latest year they had statistics for. So we have Iowa with 4,300 and South Dakota nearby with 1,400. And I'm like, whoa, that's a big discrepancy. But again, Iowa uh, has 3 million people. And South Dakota only has 8,600,000 people. So those numbers are fairly comparable. You can scale them up or scale them down. So it's what's ha- it seems to be in that region that that is a fairly standard number. number. One's not sticking out higher than the other. So the missing people in Iowa, it is, it is unfortunately the, the normal numbers. However... What I find most interesting about this story is that when you have people saying these numbers are out of control, that Iowa has a missing people problem, and they list the people who went missing in that 10-day period, they'll list two people who went missing in the same city on the same day, then you go down this person, that person, and you'll find another two people missing from the same city on the same day, you'll go down a couple more names, and so on and so forth. When the mainstream media reports on this story, they take those exact same names and those exact same cities and they scramble them. So this is from the Channel 3 News in Iowa, in Clear Lake, Iowa. This is their list. I'll just read a few of them. McKenna Driver, Davenport, age 15, July 26th. Eric Magnuson, Potawatomi County, age 14, July 26th. Anna Marsuk, Des Moines, age 17, July 26th. Deshaney Phillips, Davenport, age 16, July 26. So, so why are why is Deshaney and McKenna divided up? There's no, it's not in alphabetical order. It's not based on age. But now I'm kind of in the middle of the list. They do this throughout the list. We have another kid missing from Davenport, a Davenport, a Serenity, a Serenity Wyman, age 13, July 25th. So the previous day. We had a kid missing from Council Bluffs on the 25th, and then we have to go eight names down to find another kid missing from Council Bluffs on the 24th. So if I'm just reading this list, I'm not seeing a pattern. I go, oh, you know, that makes sense. You know, these kids are missing. When we look at lists of people who are saying there is a problem, they have them. City, city, day, city, 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 day, city, day, city, day. So they're showing you the pattern that these kids are missing from the same city either the same day or one day apart, which makes it look more like there's a predation going on. So I have to ask the question, why are they scrambling the names in the mainstream media? I hate using the term mainstream media. I mean, it started off as a signifier, just like there's mainstream record companies. There's a difference between a mainstream record company and a lower-level record company or one of the big five book publishers and the other little book publishers. That's what mainstream media originally was. You have the mainstream media, and then you had radio, which was kind of the difference between the two. And then you had the internet and all of that stuff. So I hate really using the word mainstream media because it's such a derogatory. But my point is, is that in the in the media, I can only use the word mainstream media. In the mainstream media, they're taking the same names and they're scrambling scrambling them up to make them look like it's not such an issue. The reason why I have a problem with that is that we all know that if they want to sell us there is a problem, 
they can arrange the facts in a way to say that this is a problem. And in the same way, they can arrange the facts to make us think this isn't a problem. The media could have easily said, look, these kids went missing from these same cities on the same day. Iowa has a missing people problem. What is going on? Instead, the headlines they're running is, this isn't a problem. This is normal. This is statistical. And they're right. It is statistical. But I'm questioning their motives. That I believe it's statistical, and they believe it's statistical. But then they take those statistics and they rearrange them, or take those names and they rearrange them to make it look less menacing. When if there was a flip side, if they wanted to oust the police chief of that area, if they didn't like the, the way he performed, if they wanted to enact some sort of change in that area, they would take those same facts and figures and present them to me saying, this is a problem, look. Instead, they're saying, scramble, 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 this isn't a problem, look. Not every conspiracy has to have a shape-shifting reptilian or Hillary Clinton eating a baby. Those are, those are the conspiracies that end up making us overlook the real conspiracies. You can think Satan worshippers are ruling the planet, and that keeps you from looking at the corporations that are ruling the planet. The fantastical will always overshadow the realistic, and the realistic conspiracies are the ones we have to worry about. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our next story here. And and let me say this too. I hope everyone on that list is found. I think missing, you know, I have a lot of friends who are homeless. I've known a lot of young people who are homeless. They're homeless for multiple reasons. It sucks. Uh, run away, you know, having to run away, all that stuff. I hope all of those kids are found and I hope everyone gets what they need. We are going to take a look at another story. Story that I, again, have been personally curious about. A story that's on the iceberg conspiracy list. A story that I've gotten a lot of requests on. And I actually, this story was scheduled for the Thursday episode. But I moved it ahead because someone on YouTube goes, You know what? I really want to hear about the ocean at night. This one is cool. This is one of the ones that I was researching it and I was looking into it. And once the pieces fell into place, I was like, yeah. This... This is why I enjoy doing this. So the ocean at night is a fascinating place. It does a lot of weird stuff at night. What happens is that on the surface, most of the predators hunt visually. They hunt by sight. The big sharks up there, the whales and all of that, they hunt by sight. So they use the sunlight to hunt. At night, they're not doing too great. They can't find their prey as easily as they want to. And what happens is the creatures from the bottom of the ocean begin to migrate up to feed because it's safer now. So you have all the plankton floating up to the surface, going to eat stuff. I don't know what plankton eat. And then because of that, the deep sea fish start coming up after the plankton because they don't rely on sight to hunt. It doesn't matter if it's nighttime. They hunt in dark waters anyway. So they go where the food goes. They go up to, to the surface. And what that means is those fishes, predators, those giant squids, those cookie cutter sharks, those crazy creatures from the bottom of the ocean swim up to eat lanternfish, to he eat all, the, all their food that's going up. And this happens every day at dusk. You start to have this mass migration from the bottom of the ocean coming up chasing its food and then as dawn as the sun starts to come back they all just go back to the bottom of the ocean everything resumes to normal when our giant ships are moving across the ocean when kids are out playing on the beach and then as the sun sets 
that whole process starts again. All those fish come back up to the surface. There was a guy who was night swimming. It's like mar- it's marathon swimming. So you basically have to start at night. You get started at night because the process is so long. And you're going to swim as far as you can. I mean, obviously, there's like a distance or whatever. But the way that it works is that generally you have... Uh, you're swimming, not by yourself. There's generally like a boat near you. And this guy also had a guy on a kayak next to him. The boat would be a little bit farther away. The kayak was next to him. And at one point, the captain of the boat was like, hey, you know, it's really dark. I want to turn on my floodlights. And they're like, okay, you know, because they wanted to know where everyone was going. So they put the floodlights on this swimmer. And the guy's swimming next to the kayak, floodlight on him. Captain's boat has a floodlight on the swimmer, and he's swimming. And all of a sudden, he feels something brush against his leg, and he gets, uh, he feels like sharp pain, and he gets onto the kayak, and he has a huge chunk taken out of his leg. And what happened was, this was a cookie cutter shark. It's a shark that latches onto you and takes out like a perfect hole of, of meat. These things attack submarines, by the way. That's how deep these creatures normally live. They'll attack parts of the submarine that were soft. Now they're more armored. They have like fiberglass over certain parts because these fish were taking bites out of submarines. These sharks, they live in the in the middle of the ocean. This report here, I saw something different on Wikipedia, but the article I was looking at, this was the only time that they had seen that a cookie cutter shark had attacked a living human. And he was just swimming out in the middle of the ocean at night with these spotlights on him and he gets attacked. This article ends with a shark researcher saying, Don't swim at night over a deep sea trench while being lit from above by boat-based floodlights. This shark had probably never seen a human before, never even knew they existed. To him, they're the aliens, a creature that is improbable. But one night he looks up and he sees a bright light and he sees splashing. He swims up out of the bottom of that trench that he's always lived in and hunted in. Every night he'd come up and eat his prey, but to come all the way to the surface. The Neil Armstrong of sharks, he came out of that trench. Took a bite out of that guy. Never knew they existed. Didn't know what it was. But he's a shark. He's a creature. He attacked. Don't swim at night with floodlights on you is really the moral. Because who knows what's going to come out to get you. So that was the first piece of information I found about the ocean at night. But there was something else. Now, when I first started researching the ocean at night, one of the first leads I had was that the U.S. Navy had constructed an artificial sun off the coast of Aden, which is near Yemen. Now, that is t- definitely sounds like in the realm of sci-fi possibility, something that what would be the point of doing it? That's always the question you have to ask about these conspiracies. Usually we know the who and the what. The big question is why. So I dismissed that at first. And I was looking for a natural reason for the ocean at night being on that list. But then I thought about it and I thought, why? First off, my question was, why would you build an artificial sun? Well, we already have one, actually. We've built them. In Germany, they built this massive artificial sun. And I was reading this article, and it's just all of these massive light bulbs. It's light bulbs. It's amazing. It actually 
when it's turned on, they give an intensity of 10,000 times greater than the sunlight we feel on Earth. And it's, it's massive. Each of these light bulbs is the size of a human. And there's, I think, 149 of them. And I'm looking at this, and I'm reading this article, and I'm like, I'm always amazed by what humanity can do. I'm reading this article, and they're talking about why they built it. And they're like, you know, well, it gives us a way that people can bring in solar panels, and they can test them. We can make it more efficient. We can use it to perfect stuff like solar-powered sails, which is another way to travel long distances in space. And then I see this. Okay, so this is called the sunlight, like synthetic light. I found this. Scientists will delve into new ways to create hydrogen, which isn't found naturally, but must be created by splitting water into hydrogen and oxygen. So, of course, now I'm like, great, I got to figure out how hydrogen's made. Hydrogen, of course, is made by splitting hydrogen and oxygen. There's two ways you can do it. One, uh, I think it's electrosis, where it's this very expensive energy-wise way to electrify water to split the oxygen and hydrogen. The other thing is massive amounts of sunlight, but the sun doesn't provide that much. However, research and the hypothesis shows that something like this artificial sun could create clean, unlimited hydrogen from the ocean. You put these underwater. See, they didn't have this technology before. You put these underwater or just have them facing the water. The massive amount of heat with a few other minerals they have to put into the water, non-polluting minerals, can change the way the world looks at energy. Can, can Hydrogen is the cleanest fuel. It will put fossil fuels on the back burner, no pun intended. We won't need them anymore. We will have an unlimited amount of hydrogen with these machines in the ocean using the heat from these machines in the ocean. That would be a boon for mankind. There's no other way to look at it. It would change the way the world works. There would no longer be an ocean at night. Every shoreline of every country would have these things. You'd Instead of oil rigs out in the deep sea, you'd have these giant artificial suns. But in the deep dark of the ocean, creatures that no one knows existed, who never knew we existed, who never thought of anything about man. Now they see lights off of our coasts, off of our rigs, off of our cities shining into their home. Part of the key component to the ocean at night mystery is that it says that an artificial sun was built in the Gulf of Aden. In 2010, WikiLeaks published a document from a Russian admiral claiming that the earthquakes in the area, the chaotic weather patterns, were caused by what he called a vortex opening in the area. And the world's navies going there to fight Somali pirates was simply a cover for something else. Did we already build an artificial sun underwater? Did we turn it on hoping to get hydrogen and instead awaken something massive and dark and ancient? Did we shine that light on it and let it know we are here? 
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. I still kind of got shivers from that story. It's all true. Links are below. I know I'm. you think I'm just setting up some nice little horror story. But, you know, we could have a Pacific Rim on our hands if these things become operational. I hope you guys are having a great time listening to the podcast. I'm still having a great time producing it. I, I love the comments. If you guys want to help us out more than anything, share the podcast, share the YouTube channel, get the word out that you're having fun with this podcast. That's how we grow. I'm also going to start looking at building street teams. We're going to have flyers and stickers and all sorts of swag for people to give out. Once we get that in the pipe, I'll start getting some email addresses for you. I'm actually thinking of a way of having you be able to print out the stuff yourself. If that, if you don't want to give your address to a total stranger online who talks about sea monsters, but we, we, we can, we can go nowhere but up with this show. We're doing great right now and we can, we're only getting better every single day. So I hope you guys are having fun. Dead Rabbit Radio is the paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Mm-hmm.